Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided it into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast slot for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Can you imagine being the disciples in that moment? Can you picture Jesus on a cross, and I would imagine words and moments from their time spent with Jesus would come flooding back into their heads. Words like, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Words like, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Things like, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my life. If you keep my commands, you will remain in me. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And these words from Jesus just don't seem to hold the same weight to the disciples as they are realizing the man who said these words is now hung on a cross dead. The words that were full of hope, comfort, peace, and life are now left empty and void as they no longer hold validity in their eyes. But can you really blame the disciples? The disciples who gave up everything to follow Jesus, their families, their way of life, to follow this man now hung on a cross. And the whole world seemed to despise Jesus and all who followed him. So much so that they would rather have a notorious murderer and Barabbas in their midst than Jesus. Jesus is dead, and the disciples have no idea what to do now. This moment changes everything. And for those of us who follow Jesus today, this moment still changes everything. The good news that we have is that we know the story didn't end with Jesus on a cross. And today we get to celebrate and remember the good news that Jesus is alive. He has defeated sin and death forever, and we now have hope. This morning we are wrapping up our final week of our series entitled Jesus Changes Everything. As Tyler and Joel both did a great job talking specifically about how Jesus changes our past and how Jesus changes our, our present, we want to be very clear that this isn't just a simple sermon series for us. This is our cry as a church. If we believe we are a church that glorifies God through changing lives, we understand now more than ever that the only person who changes lives isn't the person sitting on the stage, it's not the person sitting in the pews, but it's Jesus. And that's why we put what we did in the lobby, because Jesus changes everything. And we want to be very clear, if you've never come to Bachelor Creek before, that is what we're about, how Jesus changed everything. And hopefully... When people see you, the first thing they see is Jesus. Jesus does change our past. Like the woman caught in adultery, 
or your sin doesn't define you. What has happened is in the past. You can now move forward. Jesus does change your present. Here and now, the good news of what Jesus has done will change us and not some checklist gospel or some checklist religion. But we also believe Jesus changes our future. When we meet Jesus, when we encounter him, we know our lives on the daily must be different as we continue to be more like Jesus every single day. Even in our mistakes and our failures and the times that we're wrong, we must seek to always be like Jesus and change every day to help us do that. But there is no finish line. The work of Jesus is never complete in your life. If you just came to know him last week, you know there's some real life change happening in your life right now. If you came to know him 10 years ago, there's still things God is working in you and changing in you. And if you can't remember a time in your life where you didn't follow Jesus, trust me, Jesus still needs to change some things in your life as we all seek to be more like him. And if you're here, if you've never heard who Jesus is, do I have a story to tell you this morning? Because Jesus changes everything. And this morning, I want to look at a few key people who played a role in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, people whose lives and futures were forever changed because of what Jesus did. The first person I think of was actually the first person to find the empty tomb and the first person to see Jesus upon resurrection and that's Mary Magdalene and honestly we don't know much about this woman but we know Jesus changed her life this woman was possessed by seven demons and we find in Mark 16 9 it says this when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week he appeared to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had driven seven demons so this woman was demon possessed obviously not living the life Jesus had called her to. Then Jesus steps in, casts out the demons, and Mary decides from that point forward, I am dedicating my life to Jesus. She doesn't care what her plans were. She doesn't care who she used to be. She knows I'm gonna follow the man who has now saved my life, and my future will be dedicated to following him and him alone. I also think of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two men who secretly followed Jesus and after his death took some incredibly bold steps to take their once private faith very public. In John 19, starting in verse 38, it says, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes of about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance to the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, Jesus 
laid there. Both of these men, as Scripture says here, were secret followers of Jesus. For Joseph, it states very clearly, it literally says he was a secret follower of Jesus. But with Nicodemus, that's why the passage says he came to Jesus at night. He wanted no one to know he was going to talk to Jesus. And both of these men were a part of the Sanhedrin. Yes, the same group of people who played a role in sending Jesus to the cross. And yes, the book of Luke does say that those two men were not present for those trials because they did not agree with what was happening. But here we find these two men no longer in hiding to deciding to step out in faith and bury this Jesus. Do you remember the first conversation Nicodemus had with Jesus? You may remember it. It's in John chapter 3. Nicodemus meets Jesus secretly at night and asks, how can I be a part of the kingdom of God? How can I be born again? And Jesus has this conversation with him in all of John chapter 3, and right in the middle of, the, of that passage, there's a verse you might have heard of, and I can just imagine Jesus looks Nicodemus straight in the eye and says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life with him. And I, I bet Nicodemus doesn't even understand what's happening here. He asks, how can, I, how can I have eternal life? How can I be born again? And Jesus says, you want those things? I am going to die to make sure that that happens. And just later on in that chapter, we see the end of this conversation. As Jesus and Nicodemus are speaking, here's what Jesus says to end in John 3, 21. But whoever lives by the truth must come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have been what they have done has been done in the sight of God Jesus explains that to follow me you must step into the light you can no longer be in hiding and the first time that Nicodemus and Joseph step out into the light and and show their commitment to Jesus is when they're literally taking him off of the cross and placing him in the tomb Two men who weren't mentioned much in Scripture, but whose lives and futures were forever changed because of Jesus. The last person I want to look at is one of the more central characters of the resurrection story and one of the more central characters in all the Gospels, Peter. Peter is actually mentioned more than any other disciple in the four Gospels. And personally, I think I relate to Peter more than any other disciple. The interesting thing about Peter is that with him, he is almost always talked about in Scripture in relation to being a flawed disciple of Jesus. Someone who wants to follow him, but is hot-headed, loud-mouthed, often confused, and afraid. Even to the point of the night of Jesus' death, he denies even knowing Jesus three times. And I think... If I just said some of those qualities about Peter, I would be willing to bet the, the rest of the staff here at Bachelor Creek would agree, I am a lot like Peter. Hot-headed, loud-mouthed, flawed, and often confused. You can double-check, but I'd be willing to say they say yes. They are a lot alike. But don't we all relate to Peter? 
Don't we all? Many of us try to follow Jesus. We want to do what's right. We read our Bibles and we try to do it, but we just keep messing up a lot. Aren't we like Peter in that manner? I want to go back to where Jesus first meets Peter. This first interaction Jesus has with him, and from Jesus' first words to him, we find Jesus speaking some real future life change in him. This is John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. It says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Here's what I want you to catch. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Here's what I want to help you understand. When Jesus says, you are Simon, son of John, he is speaking in the present tense. As in right now, you are Simon. But when he says, you will be called Cephas, you will be called Peter, he is no longer speaking in the present tense, but he is speaking in the future tense. Right now, you are Simon, you will be Peter. And he speaks that change into his life the first time he meets Simon. He doesn't just see him as Andrew's brother. He doesn't just simply see him as a fisherman, but he sees all he could be and all he could do for the kingdom. And we see later what becomes of Peter. This is the first time Jesus says his name is actually Peter right now. In Matthew 16, 18, here's what he says about Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. From the very first moment, Simon is just another person following Jesus. But someday, Jesus tells him, someday you will be the rock in which the church stands on. You will lead the way for followers of Jesus. Bachelor Creek, any church that exists today will exist in part because of Peter. And the truth Jesus spoke into his, into his life. So here's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. The cross takes what is and speaks to what should be. The cross takes what is and speaks to what could be. Because of the cross, because of Jesus, and he came and died and rose again, our lives are no longer about what we used to be or what we used to do, how we used to act, or even who we are right now or what we currently think. But the cross says, you now have hope. You now have a future because I died for you and all of your failures. 
Revelation 2.17 even says, we will receive the exact same thing Simon Peter does. Here's what it says. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. If we can persevere, if we can follow Jesus above all else that the world tries to tell us to do, above the crowds that we spend most of our lives trying to blend into, if we can rise above it, and if we can persevere and follow Jesus in everything that we have, it says you will receive a new name and a white stone. Just like Simon was given a new name of Peter, of who he could be in the kingdom, you will receive a new name and all that you can do for Jesus if you can just persevere in that white stone that it says you will get. It symbolizes innocence and freedom in the court system. You will be freed from your sins. You will be washed white because of what Jesus has done on the cross. If we can just persevere. But I want to make sure you understand this. Jesus also knew who Simon was going to be. He also knew he was going to be a flawed disciple of Jesus. A man that would deny even knowing who Jesus was, yet he still spoke into the existence of Peter's future. And he knows full well your past. He knows full well your present. He knows full well your future and the mistakes that you will make, and yet he still wants to speak truth into your life and who you could be if you can just follow Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no future. But Jesus takes what is and speaks to what could be because of the cross. Let's skip ahead a little bit to John chapter 21. This moment is after Jesus has died. He's rose again. He's revealed himself to the disciples. And he told them, just, just go hang out over here for a little bit. Just sit tight. And I think here in this moment, the disciples still don't really understand the weight. They don't understand the gravity of what has happened. So they are sitting around waiting, and finally Peter steps up and says this in John chapter 21, verse 3. He says, I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. You see what happens here? Peter and the other disciples were fishermen by trade. Many of them were. That's what they did to make a living. That was their way of life. They were fishermen, and they left it all to follow Jesus. They spent years leaving that behind and following Jesus and becoming more like him. And so now they're told, just sit, wait, hold on. And eventually, Peter, I can just imagine, because I am like Peter, just gets tired and says, well, I guess I'll go back to fishing. Anybody got any bait? And everyone's like, sure, let's go. Isn't it amazing how Peter and the rest of the disciples had just witnessed the most amazing, incredible, there's really no words to describe what just happened, and they were one of the few who witnessed it in the entire world. And their response is a very underwhelming, well, I guess I'll go back to what I know. I guess I'll go back to what's comfortable. But here's the last thing I want to help you understand that I'm trying to understand myself. 
is that the cross calls for change. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? After all Peter and the disciples had witnessed, it's crazy that they would go back to fishing. But is it really that crazy? How much are we guilty of the same thing? We encounter Jesus maybe for the first time or every Sunday, and before we know it, we're like, well, I, 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 I guess we'll go back to what I know, back to the same relationship, back to the same addiction, back to the same negative thoughts in your head, back to the same people who suck you in to who you shouldn't be. We go back to what we know. Friends, doesn't the cross demand more than that? Now, Jesus eventually shows up on the beach, and he tells Peter and the others once again that you are no longer fishermen. You are called to so much more. Go start the church. Peter, remember who you are. And they do. Jesus, shortly after, ascends into heaven, and right at the beginning of Acts, we, in the day of Pentecost, we find the disciples preaching about Jesus, and Peter ends the day by calling people to give their lives to Jesus and be baptized followers of him. And Scripture says over 3,000 people that day gave their lives to Jesus. Friends, I'm here to tell you, when Jesus meets you, you are no longer to live as you used to live, or even who you are now. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised through the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Church, too many of us treat what Jesus did on the cross simply as a get-out-of-hell-free card. If that is how you feel, you'll be greatly disappointed when you meet God face-to-face -face on Judgment Day. What the cross did was it made a way when there was no other way. It gave us a chance at a relationship with God when before you had no chance. The blood of Christ was the most incredible thing to happen to us, and it calls us, it compels us, it demands you and I to change. To not be who we are today, to not be who we are yesterday, but moving forward to every day be more like Jesus. We cannot work and we cannot earn our salvation. That has happened because of Jesus. But what we can do is follow his example and show up and be faithful every single day to who he has called you and me to be. Like a rock thrown into a pond, the ripples of the resurrection should reach to the end of eternity in your life. It is the resurrection that allows us to die daily to ourselves to find new life in Christ. It is the resurrection that allows us to be justified before God's perfect righteousness. The resurrection gives us freedom for those who are enslaved in their sin. It is the resurrection that gives us courage to face persecution. It is the resurrection that allows you and me who are farthest from God to now be reconciled to him. Jesus changes everything, and until we decide, not just once, 
not just on Sundays, but daily dying to yourselves to lift up the name of Jesus. We will continue to be who we've always been. We will continue to do what we've always done, and we will sit in this repeated cycle of sin and hopelessness. The cross gives us a future, but it also demands change. Following Jesus is not complicated, but it is costly. Let me close by reading Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You may not realize it yet. You may not want to believe it. But we all need to change. And that can only happen because of Jesus. That can only happen because of Jesus. If you're tired of trying to do things yourself, if you are weary in this life, if you're not sure you can live another day, Come to Jesus. For those words that I spoke at the beginning that the disciples seem to be worthless now that Jesus now bring life. It gives us that hope. It gives us the future that Jesus has planned for us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. Today is the day that you finally accept the blood that Jesus shed on that cross for you and for me. If that is something you would like to do, we would love to talk to you. Some staff, some volunteers and elders will be kind of standing down here. Just come on down. We'd love to have that conversation with you this morning. We have everything you need to be baptized and to join the family of God this morning. But if you claim to follow Jesus and you've been half in, if you've been half-hearted, holding on to things, we would love to talk to you about that this morning as well. We would love to pray for you and help you take your next step to allow Jesus to change your future, to be who God has called you to be. If you're online this morning and would like to talk to somebody, Feel free to text the word Jesus to 260-215-4334. Again, that's the word Jesus to 260-215-4334. And we would love to talk to you and we will be in contact with you soon. Jesus changes your past. Jesus changes your present. And Jesus changes your future. Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for us. You gave us hope, you gave us life, and you gave us a future. But God, you've called us to change as well and be more like you every single day. 
God, help us to do that. Give us strength. Give us courage. Give us hope. Thank you for Jesus who changes everything.